Welcome to a very special podcast. Uh, I'm Luke Edwards and basically we're going to have a little chat about women in football. A survey that came out a couple of weeks ago that found that 66% of women have experienced gender discrimination in football and we thought it's only fair that we covered it. So joining me to discuss this is our regular host of the Women's Football Podcast is Shauna David. Hi, Shauna. Hi, Luke. Good to be good to be on. Not as a guest, so it's a uh, different, but good to be on nonetheless. Yeah, and also joining us, uh, she's been with us before. She's based out in New Zealand. It is women's football journalist Caris Newton. Hi, Caris. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. It's uh, it's cool that we're covering this. And also joining us it is uh, a journalist from BBC Sport. It is Kate McKenna. Hi, Kate. Yeah. The whole reason I set up this podcast was, and I'll hold my hands up now, was a bit of ignorance in terms of my whole understanding of women's football and not knowing about it and, and what the standard was like and everything. And it was, it's been a good education for me doing the podcast and producing it as well. Uh, just finding out more about the Super League teams, everything that goes into it, the standard as well is really surprising. And that's the big thing, I think, to come out of these surveys. I think there's a lot of ignorance involved, isn't there? Um. Yeah, I think there's there's two sides to the story, really. I think it's important not to dwell on the negative because even though um, when that survey did come out, um, it was very easy to sort of see it as something negative. Um, but also, I think it speaks volumes, the fact that it sounds like a bit of a daft thing to say, but that these surveys are happening and that they're getting this sort of attention, you know, even just a couple of years ago, if you know a statement came out survey women who work in football have experienced gender discrimination or, or whatever people would have kind of you know gone right okay like you know what else is new but the fact that they released it and it did get such a reaction um I think my twitter feed was just full of incredible women who were like um you know yes this happens yes some of us have experienced it but also, if you flip it, I think there was something 66% of women said that they also felt supported by their employers, um, which to me is fantastic. Um, and it's, you know, it's great to hear that um, we've reached a point where your gender, well, we've nearly reached a point where your gender doesn't matter. Of course, there are instances um, that women have experienced where it has impacted them and perhaps they have um, lost opportunities because of it. But that's um, becoming less frequent now um so yeah there's um certainly a lot to talk about but um yeah you know the fact that I think it's 34 percent is the number that's still a high number um and it's still um there's a lot of work to be done in, in reducing that Caris you I made think- a good point didn't you on Twitter and I know you tagged us in about sort of just the ignorance of the whole BBC Sport replying back to um a tweet from somebody saying about um, why including um, women's football and they're saying, well, we're not uh, BBC men's football, are we? And, and that was a really sort of important tweet for them to put out, I think. Wasn't oh, it? I thought that was a hero tweet from, from BBC Sport. And it's completely true. You know, you're seeing women's sports are becoming more of a commodity across the world. I think I touched on this in the last podcast, but more people watch the Women's World Cup final than the Men's Rugby World Cup final. Um, and you, you know, you do see it across the board. And it, you know, there are positives to take from this. You are seeing more female crew, um, more female sports getting more exposure, and kind of yeah, along along with that will come 
just a little bit of a territorial nature where men's sport has been such a men's kind or sport in general has been such a men's world for such a long time that as more women kind of get into it and come involved I think there will be people who sort of try to hold on to those old cultures a little bit um I think Shaned's completely right I think it's a tricky balance um it's great to see that 66% number that employers are actually doing something about it because I bet you anything 10 years ago if a woman if a woman in sport turned around and went this isn't okay everyone would have just been like it's just is how it is so it's it is nice to see those surveys happening and that people are sort of taking it a little bit seriously I hope it's a bit of an eye-opener for the industry though because it would be good to see women taken more seriously even for the little things even if it's not outward gender discrimination just women being made more welcome if they're working in in male teams and that sort of thing I would say on on a personal level I've, I've had mostly very good experiences and most of the men I've worked with have been great but one guy can ruin your day if he comes out with something and it could be something really silly like you know or you don't look like someone who, who knows football and you're like well what does a football fan look like yeah like I say mo- mostly positive but yeah I think there just needs to be more done to address any disparity within within teams I feel like I should blast out sugar babes, here come the girls now, you know, as you were saying that. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's a good point Sean had made, didn't she? About 66% say that they do feel supported by their employee. And, but equally, the, the, the chair of Women in Football, Ebru Coxall, she basically said one story of bias and outright bullying is, is one too many, isn't it? Even if, like, uh, like Carisha said, then 99 out of 100 people are great. If you've just got that one, it's still one too many, isn't it? I still find it funny people are shocked. I'm like, what, why are you shocked? What, we're constantly in every single industry women are put down. It's, it's not a new thing. It's something we unfortunately sit and deal with. And yeah, it's, it's got better and better. As the more we call it out, the more people start to understand. I mean, I personally, when like Carrie's talking about that tweet, I was so proud to work for BBC when I saw that tweet. I don't know who actually did it out the social media team, but I do know that BBC Sport over the summer after BBC did, we, we did our own women's sport. Um, and off the back of that, our social media team um, started this campaign to basically clap back, to talk back to the trolls. And that's one of those examples where we're all seeing it and all of us like, oh my God, yes, we've been wanting to do this forever. And now we can. It's like we've been too scared. Like, not BBC, but every organisation, because I know Sky is now committed to it and others are. Like We've all just been too scared to say women belong here or something like that. But like we're, t- we're talking about the differences in the numbers as well. That high percentage of experienced it, but also they feel like they are supported by the workplace. I, I'm one of the people that answered that survey and I struggled with answering the questions because I've got good bosses, but I haven't always had good bosses. Mm. How do I answer it? We spoke about it on not the podcast just gone, but the one before it, a massive breakout moment as well in that the, uh, I think Christian Press and Tobin, he both outsold the men's in terms of shirt sales. And, and that's a big moment as well. The fact that I don't know whether it was all women buying the shirts or men as well, but the fact people were going out buying the shirts 
with the names on the back above someone like Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba and and people like that. It's, it's... Like the women are World Cup winners. Why would you not want their names? Hmm. Hmm. I think as well, it's um, really exciting to see big brands and big names within the industry take ownership of women's football. Like, for instance, with the BBC tweet, you know, that wouldn't have happened a few years ago. Um, and that's obviously nothing nothing against the BBC. But it's I think stuff like that is really powerful because it changes, you know, not to stereotype, but that angry middle-aged man sat behind his keyboard who's thinking... I don't want women's football on my screen, blah, blah, blah. To have someone like the BBC take a stance and say, no, it's worth it. It's here to stay. We're investing our time into it. So to see big household names like BBC Sport, like Sky Sports, like Manchester United, get behind, not just get behind women's football doesn't really do it justice, but you just mentioned the shirts, the fact that that happened at a club like Manchester United just speaks volumes and it speaks volumes about how far we've come, but also what's to come in the future, which I think is is really exciting. And I hope that's not the first and last time we see women's um, women's names on the back of a, of a shirt um, sell out more than the men's. I think that's just the beginning and it's something we're going to see a lot more of. Like, it makes me so, so happy that a little girl on Christmas morning is going to wake up with a Spurs Alex Morgan shirt rather than, you know, a Spurs Gareth Bale shirt. And I'm watch. you know, that's like, you know, <laughs> a lot to say, but it's, you know, that wouldn't have happened when we were growing up You because you didn't have the option. Um, so yeah, going back to having, you know, big brands, big household names back the women's game and support it like, you know, they have done for, for a number of years now but for it to be so visible to people and to make those angry men sort of sit back and think, okay, maybe, you know, maybe they've got a point. Um, yeah. is you know, is exciting. It's a good point. Lucky. Okay. Isn't it? Do you think that, that Shauna makes, do you think the BBC were maybe 10 years ago scared of calling out someone like that? And because there's a lot more focus on women in sport that it's a lot easier and a lot braver to just maybe go and call people out like that and just say, no, look, we're, we're all equal playing football. I mean, I can't talk for the BBC. I should make that very clear. Um, anything I'm saying here is literally my own opinions. But I, I wouldn't say it's a place of fear. I think it's a large organisation. Anytime they take a stand, they have to be crystal clear about taking that stand. And we serve how many different audiences? A lot of time... BBC is not going to get dragged into a political conversation. That is a political conversation, mm. making a stand like that. But at the same time, now it's got to a point where the trolling of women in male-dominated sports is just ridiculous. Like the amount of, of, of abuse, abuse, sorry, that women get on Twitter for just doing their job. Uh, one of my colleagues, Emma Sanders, posted on Twitter yesterday abuse mm. she was getting just for doing the live text for BBC Sport telling like giving her abuse like that's why they've now taken a stand it's not just athletes who are getting abuse it's our own BBC staff so they have to do something about it and that's what they've done it, I don't know if we would have had that 10 years ago because maybe we wouldn't have had the women there 10 years ago I was with, I was with them probably 
eight years ago. And I was one, I was one of, just to put it in context, I was on an internship with about 25 people and I was one of three women on it. So if you, if you look at those numbers, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's a big difference. And I think in simple terms, there are just more women working in sport nowadays and as such, people are going to get more defensive over it. And it is the job of your employer or sporting body to take a zero tolerance stance against it. And little girls who are football fans um, need to know, or any, any sport fans really, um, need to know that there is a place for them in this industry. If, if that's what they decide to pursue, they shouldn't be scared of it. And, and I feel like when I was coming into the sports industry, it was still a little unusual that I was a woman wanting to work in it. Um, and I think there have been uh, yeah, big steps made, but I think there's still more that needs to be done. I mean, let's turn our attention to, to the media side. And I mean, Obviously, the biggest one you talked about, and, and Kate kind of obviously touched on Emma Sanders, but the big one's Alex Scott, isn't it? When she's rumoured to be re- replaced, uh, she was going to be the host of, or one of the panellists on Soccer Saturday, or maybe the host of Question of Sport. And everyone's kind of, everyone just lost their minds, didn't they, over it? And it was like, why? Why shouldn't she be a panellist? Why shouldn't she be the host of Question of Sport? And it, it, it is almost like, like you say, unfortunately, you've got that that generation of people who've grown up watching men presenting sport, men playing sport. And it's more acceptable amongst the youngsters now, but you still got to get that generation on side. I mean, you probably won't change some, unfortunately, but um, I mean, that, that was kind of almost like, that's almost what kicked it off as well. And then you had this survey as well. That, 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 that was quite a big moment, wasn't it? You know what cracks me up the most about the Alex Scott thing is that the woman literally has a degree in I want to say it's broadcast or broadcast journalism. I'm not, I'm not quite 100% sure what she did. So the, she played for Arsenal. She played for England. She has a degree in broadcasting. She is quite literally the most well-trained person for these jobs. Um, and I won't go on about it because I could rant forever. But when you've got people bringing her down, saying she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm just sat there thinking, oh my gosh, like she, you could not, you know, if, if they put out a job application for the question of sport presenting job, guaranteed, you know, she would take every single box. Well, the other side of that though (laughs) is it's not just because she's a woman, like you see this each and every time a longstanding person gets replaced it's up for anyway because Sue Barker, why, why are they replacing Sue Barker? It's like, from what I read, now I don't remember this because it was young ago, but from what I read on Twitter, Sue Barker got the same backlash when she got the question of sport job. Mm. And I think Gary Lineker even got backlash when he took over match of the day, but apparently he wasn't great. But again, I can't quite remember it. I was too young. Maybe not that young. I don't know. <laughs> but... What this is a problem is that when people get used to one particular phase, they don't like change. I think sometimes instead of telling them there's going to be change, you should just like ease into it and make sure they don't even notice it's happening. But then is that something you should have to do? And 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 that's sort of a two-pronged question, I guess. But um, yes, we can ease people into it and make sure people are comfortable, but do we have, you know, a mandate to keep people comfortable when the right thing to do is to just put more diverse faces on screen? Um, I'm saying I don't think it's about diversity in that instance. I think people just get so used to one person doing a job that they just don't like change. It could be 
like greatest football of all time or something, they probably still have an issue. Like I just think so get protective over yeah. things, don't they? In this you... case, it was against Alex Scott, and that was about her being female and her being about a black female as well. It was all across the board, and it was ridiculous. In terms of so, the terms of the media, and if you uh, obviously all you three have have made it quite well in, in the media industry. I mean, did you have any sort of stumbling blocks, anything like that? Um, to, that you encountered or has it all been quite positive because as we say 66% have been backed by the employer or have you, you kind of had a smooth ride and been accepted straight away or have you had rough rides or known people who've had it really bad I think touch wood um, 99% of my experiences have been fine have been positive I think I've been doing this for just over two years so I feel like I started my career at a really healthy time in terms of being a woman in the industry because a lot of um, momentum had been built and people were a lot more aware and all of a sudden it was it was unacceptable to make a comment or to you know to, to act in a certain way so touch wood I haven't I haven't seen that I haven't experienced anything to my face God knows what people say behind our backs. Um, I try not to think about that because guaranteed things have been said. Um, but sort of gone are the days where, well, for me anyway, I might be completely wrong because every single woman's experience in this industry will be completely unique to her. Thankfully, I've never had, you know, a face-to-face confrontation or I've never had a face-to-face um, interaction with someone where someone has said something um, derogatory or demeaning to me. Saying that, though, there have been moments where I've been very aware that I'm the only woman in that press room or I'm the only woman in the room. I'm the only woman in the building um, at times. Um, So that's, to me, probably the one standout thing. At the time where I worked for Swansea City, there were several games where, so I'd usually go down to um, the press room to do some prep a couple of hours before the game and I'd just be looking around and, they're all men, great men, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I was in good company, but everyone was male, white and middle-aged. Um, so I think it's it's good to say, obviously this podcast discussion is about women in sport, but if we open the conversation up to diversity as a whole, there have been several times where I've just been like, yeah, there's a certain type of person here. And if I'm... A young person um, from a different background looking in this room, you would think, oh, that's not a place for me. I can't aspire to be that, which is sad. And thankfully, it's it's changing. So, yeah, to answer your question, the only, if that is negative, which I guess, you know, it is in some sense, is that there have been several times where I've just been very aware of the fact, okay, I'm a woman in like a sea of men here. <laughs> What a lot of what I've experienced is that sort of everyday unconscious sexism. If I'm the only girl in the room and I've walked in into an external sports event, I've often felt the need to sort of prove my credentials in a way that perhaps a, a man might not need to. I was going to and say, is that interesting? Do you feel like you have to do a bit more than, say, a middle-aged man and just walk in and it, it just accept it straight away? I think so. People, people want to know that I know what I'm talking about and and I can tell occasionally that I'm being 
being tested or that someone's sort of sounding me out to make sure that you know I'm legit like, and, and silly things in 1987 and you're yeah. like no I wasn't born. I don't know but I know everything about this tournament today so let me do my job and you do yours and and everyone will get along just fine <laughs> I only asked the question just because I know I know um, a few years ago I heard people say, oh, well, they've only got women presenters on Sky Sports News because they're good looking and they're there for the blokes to look at and stuff like that. And it's like, but you don't know that. They obviously know the stuff as well. I mean, you've got to be talented to read an article. I can't read an article. I'll tell you that now. So not only do you have to kind of know what you're talking about, you've also got to read an article. So it's, I don't think it's the fact that they were just good looking that they stuck them on Sky Sports News, you know? I think unconscious bias is a massive, massive thing. Um, like, I ask a lot of questions. It's just who I am. And I get the looks or I get people being like, how do you not know that? And it's not just about football. There's things that I haven't been raised with. I wasn't raised with cricket. Cricket's not a sport in Merseyside. I don't know anything about it and then I asked a question I remember I asked what LBW stood for when I was doing a cricket scorecard and they went how this is a mate of mine as well he was like how do you not know that that's like you should really know that you're working through BC sport I went go on then uh what are the apparatus that women compete on in gymnastics Olympics and he was like okay too shy I went I know my stuff you know your stuff and that's that but before I worked for BBC, I was a tour guide at Liverpool Football Club, and that is where I faced it a lot. Not just from my fellow staff members, not all of them, most of them, lovely. A few managers I had problems with, and there was so many other layers of that. So people had, there was classism issues on top of it, which then going to BBC, I felt like I faced the other side of classism, which is just hilarious. But on my tours, I would constantly be corrected by middle-aged men. I'd be like, who's the one that's being paid to stand here, fella? Shut up. It took me a long time to actually have the confidence. Like, I'm sorry, I know what I'm talking about. I got Google out multiple times just to prove them wrong. But another thing that I, and this is going to, and Luke, you might cringe here, I don't know. But one thing that I do find irritating sometimes when I noticed I'm the only woman in work is when I'm on my period and I want to talk about being on my period oh. and there's no one to talk about because I am the only woman in the whole of BBC Sports News office that day and I'm just like in pain wanting to moan about my period and I can't that is so relatable and you're in a foul mood as well <laughs> and you know people are like oh god what's wrong with her today and I'm just like oh you don't even know the half of it like I, you're I, camping I, you're tired I, you're like don't touch me don't <laughs> come anywhere near me I can completely don't relate. even look at me <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because that is like oh my god yes <laughs> that is a real so, and we're expected to perform at the same standard we always do. And, and we do, like, you know, and the rhetoric is don't let it affect you. But when you're sat there like, oh, yeah, nah, not the one. I'm in pain. <laughs> yeah, and the blokes just won't understand, I'm guessing, would they? We won't even register. They'll just be like, she's in the mood. <laughs> I mean, the ones who have wives and uh, sisters, uh, are like, oh, yeah, I, I think I understand that. But <laughs> going back to the whole... Um, uh, oh she's only got the job because she's pretty you 
can't do this job unless you know your stuff because you you will get found out Mm. I mean you know you look at um female presenters on tv yes they're all beautiful but as in that's not the point you know the point is they there is no way in hell that they could have got to where they are if they didn't know their sport inside out because like I said you you can't just be a pretty face because you will get found out you have to be the hardest working woman in the room because we've all seen it you know myself personally oh my gosh you know sky sports presenter is like the pinnacle is like oh my god if I ever ever get there that's like massive goal achieved but the amount I think people forget the amount of work that it takes and it takes years and years and years of hard graft for a producer or director to even take a chance on you and if you you know it's it's a harsh industry if you mess up once it's like oh you know that's it so when people say she's only got that job because she's a pretty face because she's all right to look at like nah that's that's absolutely not the case because those women are the hardest working women in this industry I messed up a lot as well at the beginning and I, I just didn't know. I didn't know the, the industry. I didn't know anyone, had no contacts. And that can go against you as well when you don't have any contacts. I didn't know when I messed up what I was supposed to do. And so it took me probably like five years longer than it took anyone else to get to where I am. That's another difficult thing, actually, because it is um, it is the kind of industry where, you know, our her dad works here or her uncle works here it's the thing as well a lot of female presenters are related to famous you know you've got Gabby Logan, Terry Ora, Kelly Cates, Kelly Dal. you know they, they've got that connection and this is absolutely not taking anything away from them because all these women are brilliant but it would have helped them no doubt because it adds mm. that credibility whereas a bit like UK you know you, you don't have any connections your family member isn't a former player or anything like that it it can make it makes them a lot less relatable as a woman for me to look up to now I found other women in my industry who I massively look up to and the women on the women football board then like I was an intern for them back in 2014 so they did a lot for me early on my career getting me opportunities I guess they were like the parents I never had (laughs) but yeah, when you have these women who are massively connected at the top of the industry, it does kind of make you go, oh, how, mm. well, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. My dad is a former player. What am I going to do? <laughs> I know when I started out, I had just got this moonshot industry and I'd moved to London and I was just like, I'm a, I'm a girl new in this city. I just really like sport and I have a broadcasting degree. So let's let's go. (laughs) This first six months were so hard because not only are you kind of dealing with, because if you're not from Manchester or London as well, I think that adds an extra, extra level of difficulty because you have to completely relocate your entire life to make it. (laughs) Or Cardiff, you've done it. Cardiff's pretty good for it actually also. Um, Mm. But if you're not from one of those main hubs, Glasgow is possibly the other one. It's yeah, it's quite just an added level of difficulty financially as well that can be difficult because London is extortionate you know to live in even you know big cities like Manchester so me I live in Swansea which is 
cheap as chips. It's great. Um, but it does, it makes you feel like you're losing out a little bit if, you know, some people have um, parents who live in London so they can afford to stay at home and, you know, start their broadcast career in the capital city. Lovely. Whereas some of us financially don't have, um, you know, the... the the freedom to do that and your work experiences your internships are all unpaid we're running out of time now but i think we've covered a lot of bases and i think the main thing to come out of this is things are better than they were 10 years ago even five years ago you know i think women feel a lot braver about going into the industry now don't they that, that that's a big thing whether it's they're wanting to play football they're wanting to play sport or they're just wanting to go into the sports industry and talk about football and sport i think uh, i think we're definitely on the right track with that well Ladies, thanks very much for, for joining us. It's been it's been really interesting and really enlightening. About periods. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I loved it. Thank you. Brill. Thank nice you. one. Well, that's it. Thank you very much for joining us on this special podcast. And uh, we'll be back with a review of all the action at the weekend. Until then, look after yourselves.